Well, good morning again. Well, I promised uh, a short, uh, short little one that would be somewhat political. <clears throat> it is not meant to be, but uh, I mean, everything is about what you read into, am I right? So, uh, I mentioned uh, military background, uh, the family especially, grew up on a military base, uh, more specifically a NORAD uh, base. So, yesterday there was a little news bite the wife uh, read, and she asked uh, about NATO. And so I explained, right, North Atlantic Treaty Organization, and explained how it was uh, the West's attempt to ca counter the Soviet bloc of countries in, uh, in Europe. <clears throat> but what I did is I looked up NATO to show her, because again, it's been uh, a long time since uh, I was on that, that base, uh, never mind right, uh, hearing about this stuff uh, on a regular basis. Just, I think, because it's been in the news recently. So I looked it up on the interwebs, right, having uh, now using the uh, computers for something more than just uh, pressing a button, uh, hitting play or record and, and speaking into the computer. Um, so searching up the text, uh, hypertext uh, information on the internet about NATO. So I don't use Wikipedia anymore because it seems to be, uh, um, well, speaking of which, uh, it seems to be uh, political, I hear. But for me, I think I've mentioned it in a couple podcasts, uh, Yogacara was a great example. Uh, if you look up Yogacara, um, I mean, it's not that everything was wrong, but a, a huge chunk of it was just wrong. Uh, but then if you go and look at the sources to see why it all comes from one source that was just a chapter submitted to some you know book and if you're familiar with this uh, um, well any of these uh, subjects really they're subject to a lot of um, flimflam artists right uh, publishing junk um, right we've talked about some of this before but so I uh, went to Britannica. Seems to be one of the better uh, alternatives on the internet. But like I've mentioned, uh, Marcia McLuhan uh, uh, would be sad to hear that the internet, that which had so much potential, has now fallen prey uh, to what I call, uh, well, the anti-prosperity uh, principle, uh, or it, it, it's, it's flying in the face of what I call the prosperity principle, the, the beauty of the written language, right? The Gutenberg project, if we want to call that, uh, allowed uh, a being, a consciousness, which is a, an ephem ephemeral thing, uh, but it allowed it to transcend time and space, uh, geography and time, even language and culture, which uh, arguably could be a barrier. But fast forward to today, there seems to be just an erasure of a lot of our uh, knowledge. There's the paywalls 
uh, for so much research. I've mentioned this in a podcast uh, that um, they took down a number of uh, file sharing sites uh, that were being used by students to be able to read all these different research papers, like uh, literally um, uh, Yoga Car on Wikipedia, as an example. I couldn't even access. Uh, it was hard. I had to uh, use a torrent, I think, uh, to finally access. I'm not sure, though. I think I was lucky enough to have access um, because of some uh, scholar access to, to um, uh, articles still. <clears throat> Excuse me, but that's not available to uh, to everybody. Um, but finally, uh, accessing that uh, referenced uh, article uh, was very difficult. But as I said, uh, for me, it's not a good source of information that Wikipedia, because of that reason, uh, it's not uncommon. There'll be uh, factual errors. There'll be uh, uh, bias, or just plain and simple horrible sources. Uh, but if the sources aren't available, I myself uh, have come across uh, like dead links constantly, uh, and that's really quite sad. Right? So it seems that information is temporary; it's uh, it's 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 transitory. It's become ephemeral. So what used to be something that could transcend time and space is now uh, even shorter lived than our lives ourselves. So how, what is that doing to, uh, to us and our psyche, our consciousness, our language, our culture? I mean, I, I've pointed to um, Hervé Fisher's uh, book. It's from 20 years ago. Uh, he said, uh, what did he call it? Uh, cyber primitif in French, these cyber primitives. Um, it's called shock uh, numérique. Um, a digital shock, uh, and he talks about these um, paradoxical laws of the digital age. And the first one is our psyche regresses as technology advances. And he was prophetic, um, and and <clears throat> I think it does go back to McLuhan. But the example I want to give, and it it actually uh, coincides with uh, a theme of of why. I researched the classics uh, growing up as best I could with the limits uh, I had, um, which, again, I mentioned this before, having access to audiobooks at an early age was a, a boon, uh, but I was limited, right? I could only access, but some of the old stuff, uh, Sun, Sun Tzu's Art of War, uh, Miyamoto Musashi, Jeez, uh, I couldn't go down the whole list, but Clausewitz, Rommel. Um, oh, one of my favorite was uh, The Unfettered Mind by Takuan Soho. Um, again, audiobooks. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing. Uh, and then uh, Ivan Wentz, uh, a lot of his books, but an educated warrior, uh, um, a scholarly um, a commander of, of, of military, of... Uh, the martial, uh, the martial arts. And I felt that was important, especially since I said I wanted to join uh, to save lives and to, to keep the peace. I just mentioned this, I think, in the last couple days. That's what I wanted to do. Canada, at the time, 20, 30 years ago, don't quote me. I even um, 
was looking at uh, joining the reserves because they said they needed uh, adults with experience. But um, the recent uh, uh, collective trauma we've all uh, uh, experienced uh, put a kibosh on them uh, recruiting for a while, it seemed. And, well, that didn't pick up again because... I think I'm now pushing the uh, max age. I wasn't at the time. But I think I mentioned that peace was my goal. Canada was known to be um, a leader in global peacekeeping. Right? So I applied. Sadly, the lowest mark they let in the previous year was 94, so I didn't get in. I was invited to join... Uh, you know, like at, at tank crew or infantry, he said they needed, uh, right? And uh, that didn't quite, uh, I was so disappointed I missed out on uh, on the military college because it would have been nice to get some education as well as, as well as uh, the experience, the hands-on, right? The both, the academic and uh, hands-on. That's why I went to college. Uh, I was able to go... Uh, to one of our most prestigious colleges, Queens. I was accepted at Queens. Jeez, um, now I'm thinking back. I certainly hope. I did get a bonus in my marks because the high school I went to was a much, much harder. And I probably would have got a little bit because I was French immersion as well. Right? I passed uh, the literacy tests in both languages, so... Yeah, I wonder. But we didn't have such a thing as an affirmative action. Um, in fact, technically, I got kind of a raw deal when it came to applying as a disabled student uh, in college. So I don't think it would have helped with my entrance into uh, Queens, um, McMaster. There was a, a list that I could have gone to. But I chose college because it was um, much more, what do you call it, uh, hands-on, and me not being a good student at all, uh, I thought I would have just flunked right out of uh, university, right? But it seems it's this balance that we need to find between, you know, uh, hands-on and academic, uh, right? This balance, I've endlessly talked about this. But what I was uh, getting at is what, jumped out at me, it's even worse on Wikipedia, but what jumped out at me when I went to uh, Britannica, just to look up what NATO stand for, just to make sure I remembered correctly, what leapt, leapt off the page is this is Britannica, this, isn't this history or just facts, the first two entries were news, current news, I found that weird. <clears throat> then what I found even weirder is they had Article 5 highlight, which is about them going to war to protect one of the parties of NATO. And then what leapt off the page for me is they talked about what the, uh, the articles were about and never once mentioned the, the word peace. And why that leaps off the page for me is because through this entire Britannica article and the Wikipedia uh, article, they talk about Article 5, 
But again, I want to talk about Britannica because Wikipedia might change, right? And, and we all know it might be subject to uh, bias. Biases. Biases. But Britannica, I thought, was independent. It would be uh, not subject to these biases. Biases. Bias. So they have the news. And then in the next section, talking about what NATO is about, they uh, mention Article 5, which is about going to war. Article 5. But they don't mention the entire articles. They don't link to the entire articles. And as I say in the text of the Britannica um, paragraph about NATO, they don't mention peace. They mention war and, you know, these member parties. So separately I had to go look, and here's another little surprise for me. The articles were, weren't available anywhere except from NATO and a couple other weird, obscure, I don't know even know if they had the proper articles. But if you think about that, so if it's only available from one site, they could change it on a whim, right? Because it was only available at one reputable site, right? NATO and themselves. But nothing, for the most part, blogs and less than reputable type sites or articles about NATO themselves. I imagine that's, to me, a little weird uh, say if I look up a, a doctor or a philosopher, or, uh, you name it, uh, somebody in a field, if I don't see any bio, that makes me a little bit weird. Like, how do you not have a bio, uh, you know, something? Why isn't there more links than just your own personal, this is what happens, it tends to be their personal foundation or their personal uh, corporation that they're the founder and CEO of, and those are the only links that come up, right? Not even if they are a founder of their own corporation. Why isn't there a, um, what do you call it, uh, reviews and such, right? I mean, you can do this, I looked it up before, the Declaration of Human Rights. Um, at least that you can access. Um, it's very easy to get the entire list. But so here, I can only get the articles of, of NATO on the website. But at least that is very clear, and that's what I had remembered as well. Besides what NATO stood for, I remembered at least the, the gist of what the NATO articles. I think there's, what, 13 articles, plus the preamble, the opener. And so the, there's some clarification articles in there. I mean, it really is less than 10 articles. And only a couple of them are talking about war. Right? But that's what they quoted on the Britannica site. That's what they're mentioned in, in uh, news articles. And when they're talking about NATO, what NATO's about. But what is glaring is because even Article 5, when it talks about parties, it's clear in the complete articles that parties are NATO members. So we're not talking about a NATO member here, which is even more glaring. So that might be why they're allowing people to think any party in Europe means a party, but it's NATO members when they refer to parties. But most glaring and impossible to ignore about this issue is 
the preamble opens with their uh, stated goal as being peace at, at, at almost all costs. Not mentioned in the Britannica or any of these articles I've read about uh, NATO that are in the uh, the current zeitgeist. Like I say, I guess we could say that, right? Because uh, older stuff, we'd have to go to the Wayback Machine, which I don't think is an option. It really is not an option. Um, we, we can't rely on that for... Uh, our history and our knowledge, uh, right? This stuff needs to survive us and, and a power outage and a data corruption, right? So, uh, yeah, no mention that the preamble, the, the, the stated objectives of the articles themselves is about peace at, at near all costs, right? Their first goal is peace and maintain peace and protect from damage and war. I mean, remember NATO, this is uh, right after the Second World War, so they didn't want to see Europe destroyed because of war. So their state ob ob stated objective is not war. It's the opposite of war. It's to prevent war, prevent it, to seek peace. But besides the preamble, and as I said, uh, most articles, and including Britannica, uh, not mentioning peace at all. The first four articles, right? So again, they shared the fifth article on this Britannica article, fifth article. But the first four all mention peace. So to me, that seems odd what's changed, because I haven't been paying attention, because as I said, be 20 plus years ago, say 25 years ago, um, completely in the, uh, the know about this stuff, and NATO uh, was about peace, because we were the, uh, the uh, what would you call that, the, uh, the, uh, the, the, what do they call it, the pointy end of the spear? That's what we were, Canada, right? That's where we went uh, if they needed peacekeeping. And so that's what the objective was. It was clear and it was stated. I mean, gosh, it almost became part of the Canadian uniform, the, the, NATO, uh, the NATO badge, the NATO uh, patch, the, the NATO NUN, right? United Nations, which, by the way, is, is also mentioned in the preamble and in the first articles first four articles, right, the United Nations, and peace and preventing harm. But we seem to be in a different world now where uh, when we know that people don't tend to look past the headline, we've become, we've become a, a society that doesn't. Even though we know that they know, that we know, that we don't read past, right? I was just reading, oh, geez, I wish I had written that down. But well, I remember now, so here's the posterity. If you read about Goodhart's Law, that's the, uh, if, when a measure becomes the target, the measure ceases to be a valuable uh, metric, a valuable measure. 
It's no longer a, a measure. It doesn't really tell you what you need. And, and any measure can be uh, twisted. Any statistic can be twisted. But in God, Art's Law, it talks about exactly what I'm saying, is we have to realize that everything is gamed. And if if you find a metric that is ungamed, something that is um, free of influence, uh, almost like the wave uh, wave uh, idea in, in physics, like uh, the observer quantity, uh, if you observe something, it, it will either be one way or the other if it's unobserved, uh, right? So you can't know the state of something because as soon as you observe it, it uh, influences its state. So you, you can't know of its uh, un-influenced um, or un-denatured uh, state without your, your bias, uh, whatever. You know what I mean. So here we sit. Here we sit trying to Manufacture consent. Bernays propaganda right before our eyes. It's Nietzsche's herd mentality, the the height of apathy when when we know they're lying to us. We know not to trust our lying eyes, but we still do. Right? That's the uh the ultimate loss of agency, of free will. That's the, I guess you could call it the modern, the modern danger of, well, of, 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 I mean, I think, arguably, it brings back Marshall McLuhan. They say that he, um, he coined this idea of uh, tune in, turn off and drop out. Don't quote me on what the actual... But this idea of can the individual interact with society without being denatured or changed? Can society interact with the individuals without being changed? This, and there's a whole argument here because what was it? Um, young minimized the self, uh, other aspect, and he, he minimized Boober. And, and I think there was a big mistake there because I've said this before. If you look at the Bible... Um, uh, and this is the New Testament, which is even more surprising. You look at the Bible, it talks about um, in um, Corinthians. I think it's uh, Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 14, chapter... Don't quote me, it's early and, and, uh, and other things. But it speaks of ecclesia, right, of... of um, we translate it as church from the Greek into English, but it really is the community of like-minded people supporting each other. That's Sangha. In Buddhism, I've mentioned that before, it doesn't specifically mean the Buddhist community. It means any community that's working together to stay together. So I argue that's the essential part. Uh, it relates to uh, Buddha's uh, warning us that one of the most difficult things is to walk as a, uh, a partially or, or even ultimately uh, fully enlightened being and walk amongst the unenlightened because it challenges your enlightenment at every step of the way. And you know what we are like as a human creature. We tend to be easily uh, um, put off of our, uh, of our goals. I think about New Year's resolutions in a Western um, if I can use that without being too Western-centric, colonial, as it were. 
Oh, no, that, I guess it wouldn't be, would it? But oh. I just find uh, some of these philosophers warned us about this. Uh, and slowly over time, we worked out uh, philology that was actually in a podcast. Uh, uh, we were talking about this idea of um, the importance of philology was even uh, becoming less important I guess we could say 100, 100 and plus years ago. Uh, so this appreciation for the importance of language, I think we might be able to um, attribute the, the reason why Bertrand Russell uh, did that one book or seminar, I can't remember, about uh, language, the important language and representation of language, right? Language is an object. There's, there's the idea of an object, uh, Right, and there's the object. So this idea of what language is about, what it denotes, um, and I think I mentioned this before. There's an error in there. There's a misunderstanding that uh, uh, there is a much richer uh, mythology uh, and uh, myth illusion uh, in the uh, Sino-Japanese characters than they even realized. Uh, but the idea is, like the other night. Uh, we were chatting and, and I mentioned being saddled. Somebody was being saddled with something. And the wife chuckled and said, that's weird. You know how stuff comes up? Like, And I just explained to her, it's um, all language is representative of an object. But in this case, um, the word saddled um, represents a saddle being put on a horse, right? So it's more, it's not just an object, but it's a concept. But then what we've done here culturally is we've attached a deeper meaning. So when I say saddled, I do mean the idea of a saddle being placed on a uh, horse. But it's the idea of a burden being placed on you that you must, um, you must carry, right? Your lodestone, your, uh, your, uh, your burden to carry, right? It is... It is funny how this shapes, uh, but I wonder if there's an avenue for us to look at um, what happens when we try to um, artificially control that, right? If we try to, like 1984, this idea of changing the language purposely. Is it possible? Is it problematic? What uh, what would be the problems? Uh, I mean, arguably, I think it's impossible. Uh, I think uh, I think the, it, there's a million examples of of what ends up happening. It just it tends to evolve and and shape itself into something different. Uh, I mean, almost like the brain, right? It, you you uh, you take away uh, uh, an area's uh, use. Uh, uh, it'll take over for another use, and I think vice versa. I've mentioned this before. I think, I think if you have um, some damage in a certain area of the brain that is essential, uh, I think uh, there's uh, the extra space. Maybe that's what that extra quote unquote useless space uh, up there might be uh, for if we need to uh, to take over. Um, right, I mentioned before, uh, I wonder if, uh, when I took that softball to the head as a kid, I wonder if, um, 
it did cause some issues, but um, because uh, my language center, the area where sang- uh, language and it does a whole bunch of jazz, uh, because it took over, I wonder if it's possible that um, that's uh, what was responsible for for causing me to be uh, extremely verbal in spite of... Uh, uh, every metric uh, stated that I should have been very nonverbal, all right? But, um, yeah, that's what I was mentioning. Uh, I've said this before, this idea language is uh, tied to the culture. The culture, right, shapes the language. Language is essentially the embodiment of a culture, right? Language shapes consciousness. Consciousness is ourselves, right? You can't have I uh, and the other without the culture, the society. Uh, You can't have interactions of two uh, very interior beings without language. So arguably, this is a big deal. If we begin to denature our language, if we begin to be afraid to speak uh, about Certain things, uh, I mean, even uh, if we begin to be afraid uh, to speak certain words because they could be uh, uh, misconstrued, we've seen that with, uh, yeah. But what's worse than being afraid uh, is the malevolence of maybe purposefully... um, misleading, right? Because that might be happening up here in Canada. It looks like uh, maybe our uh, our PM may have lied uh, by um, um, using language, right? Uh, stating that, uh, kind of like the joke I made about, um, I don't know if I made it the other day, the joke about uh, I did not have relations with that. I mean, he might have been speaking about something specific, like our PM did recently. He said he wasn't uh, he wasn't briefed on uh, ministers getting paid. 